Welcome, everybody. My name is Amy, and I'm the executive pastor here. Um, Let's all stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. The Gospel of the Lord. You can have a seat. So this is the fourth week in this series that we've been calling Walking with Jesus, where we've been looking at Jesus' life through these stories in the book of Mark. And on our very first week as a church together, we looked at Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan. And we saw this beautiful moment of incarnation, of this God that we could see and touch and feel and hear. We saw Jesus walking and talking, dipping under the water, raising back up. We heard the Father's voice bless him. We saw the heavens tear open and the Spirit descend like a dove. And then we saw Jesus still full of that spirit and still full of his father's words go into the wilderness and resist every temptation. And then as soon as he emerged, he began to announce that the kingdom of God was at hand. It was right here. And then last week, we saw him invite this little rabble of fishermen, these uneducated blue-collar workers, into that kingdom He invited them to learn from him and to follow him and to see what this kingdom mission looks like. So all of that together is sort of a prequel for tonight's reading because the stage is set, all the characters are finally in place, Jesus is blessed and filled, and he's prepared to take this kingdom on the road. So what's he going to do? Well, we hear in the readings three things. He teaches... He delivers from demons, and he heals. And we're going to see that all of these things together is what the kingdom of God looks like on the ground in the midst of the people. So going back to verse 21, it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. 
and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. So what was Jesus teaching? We have no idea. Mark doesn't tell us. He seems to think we don't need to know what Jesus was teaching. And if we believe that scripture is God-breathed and authoritative, then we can trust that God doesn't really think we need to know what exactly he was teaching. And so however much we might want to hear Jesus' sermon and kind of engage with him intellectually, Mark doesn't let us. He cuts us off at the pass. He doesn't give us the content of a sermon at all. He gives us the person of Jesus, this person whose authority comes directly from the Father and from the indwelling Spirit, this authority that's so palpable that people are astonished. And then in the midst of his teaching, this man with an unclean spirit starts to yell at Jesus. And what Mark calls an unclean spirit here is what's translated demon in other places. There is this demonic presence oppressing this man. And in verse 23, this demon, or it might be plural demons, it's not clear, yells at Jesus, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, the people in the synagogue, and even Jesus' disciples, they don't yet know who Jesus is or what he's come to do, but the demonic world knows. It knows what it means that the kingdom of God is at hand. It knows what it means that the Holy One of God is in their midst. It means that their days of sowing evil are numbered, and that one day they will, in fact, be destroyed. So I want to talk just for a minute about demons. There's this tendency to sort of disregard the reality of demons, to treat it kind of like a metaphor for the systems of this world that oppress people and dehumanize people. And this isn't untrue. It is totally appropriate to look at places where people are mistreated and stripped of their dignity and to call that demonic. And this weekend, some of the people from our congregation are not here because they're with International Justice Mission, gathered with hundreds of people, praying for an end to human slavery. And I think calling something like slavery that is so pervasive and so unjust demonic is totally appropriate. But we have to be careful that that word and that idea of demons doesn't become just a metaphor. It's not this like quaint idea that these ancient people had, and now we are so sophisticated we have better words for it. Demons are part of this very real spiritual world. So what are they? Well, they're spiritual beings like angels. They carry messengers like angels, but they oppose the kingdom of God and the people of God and the purposes of God. And the way they do that is as old as Satan in the garden. It's as old as the devil with Jesus in the wilderness. They tempt us. They accuse us. They pile shame on us. They strip us of the dignity that is ours as image bearers of God. And they lie to us about who God is and who we are. And so sometimes their activity is big and flashy and supernatural like what we see in Mark. But most of the time, it's more subtle. Demonic oppression is real. 
And without getting into a bunch of distracting details, I have seen it. I have witnessed and experienced demons at work oppressing real people. I've seen it in places like on the grounds of a Cambodian temple that are notorious for sex trafficking. And places like a crime-ridden slum in South Africa known for its rival gang activity. But I've also experienced it in my life and in my dreams, and in my home. And every time, every time that I have been confronted with this unmistakable presence of evil spirits, I have also seen the miracle of Jesus' astonishing authority and his power over this unseen realm and his ability to deliver. So reading from verse 25 But Jesus rebuked him, the demon, not the person, saying, be silent and come out of him. And then the demon does. And then it tells us, they were all amazed and they kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Now, isn't it interesting that in response to Jesus delivering from the demon, the people call it a new teaching? Remember how a few minutes ago when Jesus was teaching, Mark didn't really think we needed to know what Jesus taught? If you take this all together, it feels like Mark is saying, do you want to know the teaching of Jesus? Look at what he just did. He doesn't seem to make any distinction between the words of Jesus and the deeds of Jesus, between what he teaches and what he does. So we get the sense that the teaching of Jesus isn't this set of ideas that we need to get intellectually right, but it's this embodied reality of the kingdom of God in their midst, of people being set free, of darkness and evil and oppression being pushed back. But it doesn't stop there. Because then we hear Jesus goes from the synagogue with his disciples into the home of Simon. And there his mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus takes her by the hand and lifts her up and heals her. And it's quite a contrast to this man who was just convulsing in the synagogue. It's not a public place anymore. It's just a family home. It's not this big, dramatic problem. It's a woman with a temperature. And Jesus heals her with this quiet touch in this private place. And then in response, she serves him. Now, I think part of why Mark tells us that she serves him is just to show, like, she really was healed. She was laying down with a fever. Now she's up walking around, like, making dinner. But I think another reason we need to see her serving is because that's a natural response to being healed. That's a natural posture of life in the kingdom. It's serving. And that word serve here is the same one that Morgan read a few weeks ago when Jesus is in the wilderness and then the angels come and attend to him. They serve him. And it's also the same word that Jesus is going to say nine chapters from now when he says that the Son of God didn't come to be served, but to serve. So this isn't like the kind of service that degrades people and pushes them down. This kind of service elevates them. This healed woman is doing the work of angels. She's doing the work of Jesus. She's doing what we all ought to be doing in response to the truth that the kingdom is at hand. She's serving. And as she does, this ordinary little family home 
becomes this house of healing. And it becomes this picture of this new kingdom where the greatest is one who serves. And as it does, all of the desperate and hurting people in the city want in. We see them all at the end of this passage, like crowded at the open door, and Jesus is inside healing and casting out demons. Now, earlier I had to say explicitly that demons are real, but I don't need to tell any of us in this room that sickness is real and that there is very little in this life that's more painful than suffering from sickness and mental illness or from watching people we love suffer in that way. But Jesus comes right into the middle of this, full of his Father's blessing, full of the Holy Spirit, and he's announcing the kingdom for people like this, for people like us, people who are desperate for healing and freedom and deliverance. And if we are followers of Jesus, then we are also filled the Holy Spirit. We also have the blessing of the Father. And we can pray with all the authority of the Holy One of God that healing and deliverance and the kingdom would come right in the midst of what is most painful in our lives and in our communities. Now, in the short time that I have left, I want to speak to one particular kind of healing. I feel like can't really be left unsaid this week. On Thursday, people everywhere in the country, but especially in this D.C. area, watched a woman recount an act of alleged abuse from her past. And regardless of your politics, regardless of your politics, if you are someone who has ever been abused in this way, like I am, and like statistically, probably many of us in this room are, then this might have been a difficult week for you. It might have been full of reminders of what it feels like to be overpowered, to have your dignity taken by another person, to be scared that no one is listening, no one cares. And so I think it just has to be said, plainly, that sexual abuse has no place in the kingdom of God, and that in this church, in Incarnation Anglican Church, people care and people will listen. And then more than that, I want you to hear that Jesus has authority even over this, that Jesus can heal and free even from this, and that I've experienced that healing myself And I have walked with many women through it. And our senior pastor, Liz Gray, has walked with many, many more. And so if this is an area of your life where you are experiencing oppression and shame and lies about who you are and about who God is and whether he is good, please talk to me or to Liz or to Morgan. Well, this passage in Mark is this first glimpse we get of Jesus on the road with the kingdom, showing us what it looks like, that it is at hand. It has come near. And we see here that it looks like astonished listeners, and it looks like humble servants, and it looks like all the hurting 
and the desperate crowding at the door. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus in the house of healing, and the door is wide open. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the coming of your kingdom, and we thank you for the reality of your authority. And we pray that we would experience that authority in our own lives, in places of pain. And God, we pray that even with these, um, without a screen and without a PowerPoint, that you would interrupt us, that you would surprise us tonight in the ways your Holy Spirit wants to move in and through us. Amen.